At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. We're live on YouTube to talk about how far away Manchester United might be the furthest up from the promised land that they have ever been currently. Uh, That's debatable, Scott. <laughs> how bad is it, Rob? Is it, well, it's very bad, isn't it? Uh, we're here again. Like, we're here again. We're talking mm. about the manager again because this is how it goes. I'm sick of it, Rob. <laughs> I know you've been particularly affected by it, Scott. Sick to the back teeth, bored of having this conversation, but we'll do it anyway. Let's go. Yeah, I'm with you. But we thought, obviously, off the back of this Manchester derby, some of the relatively horrendous things that we did see during this football match, but I think also for the whole of this season, that there are questions on both sides of the fence. Well, people obviously, Ten Hag in, Ten Hag out, and all of that rubbish that we hear all the time. I think there is some valid comment on both sides of the fence. So we're going to try and talk about that today. Yeah, if you're watching on YouTube, please get in the live chat. Kerwin saying another live show. Nice. Yep, we do try. And we did say we wanted to do more. Um, I'm away at the back end of this week, so it might be difficult for me to do a show uh, later this week. So we just thought we'd give you this little extra treat, especially off the back of Man United nil, Manchester City 3 could have been four based on XG, could have been worse. Uh, but yes, uh, if you're listening on an audio platform, again, apologies. Uh, well, audio platform later. Uh, apologies, because this is a little bit of a different form, but hopefully we'll still get you uh, enough uh, for you to consume without the images of me and Rob on YouTube. But uh, subscribe wherever you get your pods and watch us on YouTube, where we are now. The Promise and a Manchester Night Podcast. Like the video, subscribe, leave a comment. And hit the notification bell so you never miss a show. And follow us on socials at double underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise and MU for the show as well. Get your uh, comments in. We're seeing them already coming in. We'll try and read them out throughout the show. Uh, but Rob, what is your dominant feeling after yesterday? Um, disappointment, I think is the word. I think before the, the game, Scott, you said that as long as United didn't get hammered and put in a shift that you'd be all right with that. And I'd said, well, I kind of want to see a little bit more. I want to see some tactical work. I want to see some, you know, football acumen from the players. But overall, I kind of agreed. Like, I didn't want us to get thrashed. And I think if Andre Nana didn't probably have his best game for Man United yesterday, and I did think that was probably his best football match for us, even though he conceded three and did make one half mistake, you could have lost this six, couldn't you? You could have lost this by six yesterday quite comfortably. The other thing is, Scott, 
I don't actually think City were at their best. I think they were a third no, they, gear. They weren't that good. People, I've been watching uh, comment and punditry and, and people talking about it, obviously, on Twitter, saying that's the best City have been all year. I think Haaland even described it as that. He said, that's the best we've played this season. I watched that game and I thought, that was Man City in third gear. And Man City did dominate large parts of the match. I thought Man United were really good, Scott, for 10 minutes. First 10 minutes, I thought they had control. After that, like we'll talk about it as well with the penalty. I don't know what you think about it. I think that's just an awful call. Well, let's get out of the way. It's not that's not the reason United lost. No. I think if it wasn't given, maybe the result would have been I think this would have lost anyway, given how it panned out and City would have scored first. Yeah. But you know, if you see that penalty given, you give that four times a game. And I think that was my issue with it. Like I'm I'm not saying it wasn't a penalty, but at the same time, like if you're gonna give that as a penalty, you should probably give it more often than you give it. The, the reason they supposedly gave it, and this is where I have like real contention with it, is now another stupid PGMOL mandate rule of drop zone. Where's the ball dropping in the drop zone? And that's what they look at. So if you're in the drop zone and you foul someone, it's a foul. But outside the drop zone, they're kind of just not going to look at it. So in that moment, Scott, it's pretty clear. And if you watch it and watch it slow motion and in real time, and we saw it right with our own eyes, Two Man City players set screens, basketball screens, where they go into someone's face and obstruct them and allow Rodri to make that run through the middle. That's a foul before the foul. (laughs) So there you go. You actually see Marcus Rashford being held in that moment. And yet, because the ball was dropping into that drop zone, they called it as a penalty. Uh, It's a joke. As you just said, I think that's like three penalties a game if we're going to go like that. And... The PGMOL have talked about physical contact being okay. I, I honestly, he doesn't like he's got his arm around him, but he doesn't grab him, he doesn't pull a shirt, he doesn't obstruct him. And Rodri goes, Ah, and it's a penalty. It's a joke, it is an absolute joke. And you're going to give penalties three, four, five times a game if that's now the new mandate from the PGMOL. But I heard today the VAR on it, and I think it was, uh, you hear it? I heard it today. Yeah, they released some of the audio. Did they earlier on? That. It was Oliver, isn't it? It's, it's 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 Oliver, our top referee in England, yeah. And he goes, and then they spoke to um, uh, on Sky Sports as well. The former referee, what's his name? Dermot. Der- no, no, not Dermot. The the other one. I've lost it. <laughs> Complete. You know, they're their referee, their specialist referee that they're using this year uh, from the past. Not and he was like, definite penalty, definite penalty, absolutely. It's rubbish. Guys. Oh, Mike Dean was on the Mike team. Mike Dean, sorry, of course. Mike Dean was going, definite penalty, definite penalty. You can tell what uh, they're Rob, saying. Rob, they're going to say that. Of course they're, they they're going to back their mates. Like, of course they're going to uh, say that. We're, we're six minutes in. This ain't the issue. Let, it ain't the issue. It yeah, ain't the issue, but it's not a penalty. Not for me. Not for me. And if Fair it was enough. the other end, I would be saying the same thing. Fair enough. Uh, let's jump into some comments to start with. We have titled the show and the episode, Will Man United back or sack Eric Ten Hag after Man City defeat? We have Michael Hill saying the Glazers can't afford to sack him and get a decent replacement anyway. Very valid point. You know the issues with FFP that United have. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm seeing the graphic going around of how many players Eric Ten Hag has brought in and people are looking at it and they're going, wow, he's had his chance. He's had his chance. Look how many players he's bought. Like half of them, nearly half of them are loans and free transfers. <laughs> I know I know that some of the players that cost a lot of money, yes, you can, you can question them. But like... You know, 
he ain't got his entire like no i'm, I'm not even going to go that way I, because it's it's futile futile at the moment uh not too high not too low but this was unpleasant says uh nine snagger uh we've got soggy saying it's funny how this conversation keeps coming back every two seasons yes i'm so annoyed and bored of having this conversation over and over again and for people to tell me to my face the manager's the problem the manager's the problem why is the manager always the problem this is what I want to get to the root of, but nobody seems to listen or wants to listen. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, was saying, the comments made by Eric post-game made no sense. We will talk about those later in the show, so please uh, stay tuned for that. Con says, very, very worried about managers. Uh, fans turning on the manager already. We're there. People are there. Yep. Uh, Aaron saying, same old, same old. Every two years, there's only one position that can be changed or swapped, unfortunately. Mm. And there's, sorry, there's absolutely loads of comments coming in. Uh, it's time to sack Ten Hag, says Steve. Okay, so let's uh, let's dig in a little more. We've done the penalty, right? We've yeah. done the penalty. And for me, like I, like I said, I think maybe it's a pen, fine whatever, but my issue was give it all the time if it is a penalty. Uh, because we see that quite often. We saw the Hoyland foul at Arsenal, which wasn't even checked. And I'm like, what's the difference? I, I don't get it. He actually was in possession of the ball yeah. when he was dragged down. Uh, so what's the difference? Uh, but anyway, let's talk about... What do you want to do first, Rob? What do you want to do first? Do you want to do the, the tactical faults of Eric Ten Hag today first? We can. I, th- I think that there is plenty of meat on the bone when it comes to some of the stuff to do with the manager. And that's always the tactics and the selection, isn't it? So um, I said before the game that I thought United had no choice but to play Christian Eriksen. I got a lot of blowback from that on Twitter. People were saying to me, oh, well, there's no chance you're going to they're going to steamroller through Eriksen. And actually, we did see that at times yesterday. We, we know that Ericsson off the ball can be a bit of a problem. I think in the first half, Ericsson gave you some value there in, in a, what was... Formation-wise, Scott, United played this 4-2-4, which I must admit I hadn't really seen before, like properly pushed up high, four across the pitch, two in midfield, but then it was really obvious that there was this huge gap between the double pivot and what was up there. Man City looked at that and went, we're having some of that, we'll just play through it dead easy. So the manager didn't change that till half time, and then I think he panicked. I really do. And I think the the change from... Like, I was surprised to see Scott McTominay start as the 10, though I did think he'd probably play the game. Um, but I think the moment there was to pull Scotty and was to rejig what you had, get Bruno back as a 10, get someone or get leave the double pivot with Amrabat and and uh, Ericsson and play the game like that. Just put more solid pieces in the right positions. And that's not what the manager did. And I think that was the killer yesterday. I think that substitution at halftime ripped United to shred. Scott McTominay, I thought, was really poor as a number six. I've seen people today saying played all right. I was like, no, he was bad as the number six. And he's normally quite bad as the number six. The and space you- that they were exploiting in the first half in the midfield became bigger. Bigger, larger, <laughs> huge. Like, like it was like as big as an the airplane. They were absolutely, the United were getting suffocated. Like it's, like it's like an airport strip where you land a plane. It was like, it was so huge. And, and it all came, I think, from tactical choices. And I think Ten Hag did say after the game that he did get one or two of those things wrong. Kind of admitted it. But... I found it peculiar because I thought he'd make a substitution at halftime just to kind of get things set again, but he didn't strengthen anything. It went backwards quite quickly. 
And now he's sticking they with the guy. Two minutes, didn't they? After well, like, literally, he, literally, City's second goal came from the goalkeeper. Like, yeah, it, like they played out all the way up the pitch with a free post back header for Haaland with the goalkeeper and, starting in possession. And it was easy, wasn't it? It was very easy. easy. And I, I think these Man United players, Scott, like if we're watching these things and we're we're questioning the tactics and the selections and the and the decisions, then don't tell me the players not as well. I think the players yeah, must be looking yeah. at that. And we can talk about individuals today, and we'll do a little bit of that. But again, let's take a Bruno Fernandez. He's your captain. And I'll keep saying it. I want to see Bruno play the 10, or I don't want to see Bruno play. Like, I know he plays everywhere else, but you see him on the right yesterday, and he fails in that function quite often. He can do it, but he's not the best. And you had the opportunity to play him as a 10 yesterday, Scott. You know, he's your best 10 at the football club. And the manager says no. And the manager did it last year. He could have played Bruno 10 loads. And he played him right. He played him six. He played him eight. He just doesn't like him as a 10. I don't know. So if you're playing Scott McTominay as a 10, Scott, uh, Scott, there is something not right there, is there? So I think the, the players are looking at that. And I think you see that in the body language. So this is difficult, you see, about where we attribute blame because blame doesn't really get you. No, anything. Rob, like people love to attribute blame, right? Mm. They absolutely love it. Yeah. And the blame people game. will absolutely love to be right. They they see something and they think, right, I've made my mind up on him. I'm talking yeah. about the manager here. I've made my mind up on him. He's useless. Mm. And I spotted it straight away. So I'm going to absolutely nail this point every single time United fail. Every mm. single time. You can blame the players. You can blame the manager. You can blame the coaches. You can blame the football in direction over all of the club. You can blame mm. the training. You can blame the fact that the players look knackered. All of that. Yeah, my, maybe the manager. But you do this every single time. And every every part of this structure that you're looking at, say you're blaming it here, like the manager here or the players down here or in a little box, right? You can point to whatever you want. Fact of the matter is, until you fix the thing above it, mm. all of this is still going to, you're going to find things to blame in everything. Like, <laughs> because the structure isn't right. And I'm sorry, I'm going to keep coming to that point because I'm absolutely sick of talking about six managers who are, are falling into the same traps over and over and over again. I'm sick of talking about the players letting the manager down over and over and over. I'm sick of talking about players who don't believe in what a manager's doing over and over and over and over again. We've been here five, six times in the last 10 years. I've been working in it for 10 years. I'm so bored of this. I'm not saying Ten Hag is without blame. He got a lot of things wrong and he's getting a lot of things wrong at the moment. But come on. How many times are we having this conversation? Sorry. The, the reason why I started the whole don't get too high, don't get too low thing, which was during the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer period, was because of exactly that, is that there are things that you can blame, but it's a bigger picture here. And, and I think the problem is, Scott, is that when we talk about United in totality, yes, we can talk about the bigger factions, especially the Glazers and, and the football projects and the people running the football side of the operation. The problem at the moment when we're looking at individual games and going game to game is that there are tactical issues and we have to kind of get to the bottom of why. So I'm with you 100% and, and I'm still very much like you. I think, you know, I, don't, I always say don't get too high, don't get too low. But yet when you're standing in the stadium in those moments, uh, yeah, I, I know, it I is know. really tough. So like I said, at I half time yesterday, I was fuming. I was stood there thinking, this is a bad movie. 
and I've seen it before. My son was with me and I actually used those words and he laughed. And actually after the game, he came up to me again and he went, that's, you're right, Dad. That's exactly, it feels like a bad movie. I've watched it once, but I've actually watched it a hundred times and I'm not quite sure. Um, I can remember going back many years, like to the Moyes period. I remember one day full time at the end of the game, sat in the stadium and not leaving the stadium for about half an hour because I sat there thinking, this is like the start of something really bad. I don't like this. This is not Man United. Something not something fundamentally mm. has shifted. It's not about Fergie. This is about the club. What does the club represent now? And every manager I've had that moment, every manager I've sat there and gone, the manager's tactics are bad, but it's up here that's really the problem because they're not supporting the function of the manager. But he spent I think 400 million. He spent 400 million. We're here again, you know, like like Man United have spent over 1.5 billion on footballers in 10 years and Man City have spent 1.5 billion pounds in 10 years. And guess what? Those two things are the same. The problem is, is who's spending the money? That's the difference. So Man City has spent 1.6 billion pounds or whatever it is on a yeah. plan. Man United exactly. has spent 1.6 billion pounds on six managers ideals. Man City. So you go. have a mix of ideas, <laughs> which Man you are City seeing game. on the pitch. Over and over again, versus a plan that's been put together since 2008. And, and that's been spearheaded by a manager that they wanted for two or three years before they even appointed him. Absolutely. And Man City go with their 1.6 billion. Oh, we bought Haaland. So what do we need now? Oh, look, there's this lad, Julian Alvarez. He's available for 14 million. We'll have him. We'll take him. You know, so that's how you do proper business in football. Man United just do not do that. They don't. They are, they splurge. They look at a player, they go, oh, we want him. Oh, Harry Maguire, do you know what? For a year, we won't pay 80 million. We get that. Oh, we want to pay 50 million. Oh, we'll pay you 60. Do you know we'll pay you 60? Oh, do you know what? We'll pay you the 80 million. All right. That's what they do. And they do it over and over and over again. They are weak. So I don't blame Ten Hag for that. You know, obviously, we know who we blame for that. It's upstairs. It's the football department. Um, Gary Neville said yesterday that this, you know, that, that, that there's a toxic atmosphere around Manchester United's football department. I don't disagree with that. But I also look at what we've seen from the end of last season through preseason and into this year. And there are things that this manager isn't getting right. So this is where the balance of conversation has to be one way or the other, because there's no doubt that I think with Jim Ratcliffe coming in, we'll talk a little bit more about him today, about what, what their football project could be, versus the kind of day-to-day -day running of Manchester United by Eric Ten Hag. Because there is a conversation now, I think, on both sides. It's not a blame game, but we have to kind of dig into the detail, because some of the details, Scott, it ain't great. Ted, like, we... <sighs> Ted Tell us what you all think. The Glazers are such an easy cop-out. Ten Hag compromises principles for results last year, and this will be his eventual undoing. Mm. I mean, potentially, yes. Like, we'll, we'll talk about that, right? We will talk about that. But it's not a cop-out. I'm not having it. I'm sorry. Mm. Because any failing business, the, the definition of insanity is doing something over and over again, right? Mm -hmm. And expecting different results. United are caught in that loop and have been yeah. caught in it for 10 years. And I'm not going to pour all my energy into saying the same thing about another manager who's failing. Other managers have come in with who've been better than Ten Hag, like in terms of what they've achieved in their in in their careers, mm -hmm. in terms of the football that they played, maybe this this kind of thing, and in terms of their ideals, this kind of thing. Every single one has got to this point. Yeah, every single one has got to the point where the players are not carrying out the instructions. The, the players are not trying hard enough. Mm -hmm. The player, like they've all got there, and eventually. It might be the manager's undoing. 
Um, so it's like, how much do we want to... I know, Rob, you want to talk about the uh, the tactical failings. And I, I think it completely, completely warranted. We do have to talk about it. But with the caveat that, all right, go change it then. We'll be back here in two years having the same conversation. We might be back in two months having the same conversation. Maybe. Yeah. That I, I think I think the thing is, is that it, that you there's also have to be a kind of wider fundamental about football, yeah. And this is how football, I believe, works. This is my opinion, not everyone else's opinion. Is that in football, one, two, or maybe three clubs a year win stuff. All the other teams don't win. They might win some games, but they don't hit their heights. They only get maybe close enough. You might get one team that is a relegation for the team and comes mid-table, and that's a hugely successful season. Then again, you get your Brightons, your Brentfords, your anomalies, yeah? Most teams fail. The average tenure of any manager in the Premier League is two years, right? This is what most clubs do. Unfortunately for us at Man United is that, yes, we believe we're the biggest club in the world. Yes, we've got all the history that we would ever want, but we are like every other club now, Scott. That's mm-hmm. what it is. Oh, yeah, we are, totally. We're not Man City, we're not Arsenal. We're not even Liverpool yet. We're, we're that team now that strives. We are the sleeping giant. We strive to be the best. But the truth is, when we play teams from the mid-table, 8 to 10th to 12th, we're not actually that much better than them. That's the truth. No, we're not. So yeah, the problem is, Scott, is that we have to have this conversation every year or two because we get to that point where we go, but we're Man United. Beat the chest. Okay, cool. But we're not really Man United. We're not Bobby Charlton's Man United. Just so we all stood there with a tear in our eye, with saying goodbye to Sir Bobby again. And and we were the modern Man United, the modern Man United that fundamentally hasn't got tactics, hasn't got style, hasn't got grace, hasn't got energy, hasn't got hasn't got a lot of stuff. And that's why you have to break it down and then start talking to Eric Ten Hag directly about what he really wants. And I think the problem here, Scott, is with, for a lot of fans... I said to you this off camera is that yesterday when he pulled Hoyland on the 70th minute or whatever it was, that was the worst reaction I'd heard towards the manager in his two years or 18 months at the football club. People went mad. Do you hear his reason why he did it? What did he say? What was his reasons? He said he has to manage his minutes. What was that? Sorry? He has to manage his minutes. Right. Okay. And he's used that. For loads of players, loads. He says that quite a bit, and it's prearranged. I think there was a game uh, earlier in the season. It wasn't. It was Hoyland actually. You're right. Earlier on in the season, when he had that knock and he yeah, came was, back yeah, in, yeah, yeah. he could pulled him after 60 minutes. He was playing really well, and and pulled him off 60 minutes. Then we looked like a real mess, a real hot mess after that. So I think the thing is, is that when you are chasing a game at two nil, which is what it was at that point with 20 minutes to go, do not tell me that you can't still win that game. So maybe keep your striker on. And there was a big reaction from Stretford End. There was a lot of booing, hissing. People around me were properly in Ten Hag. There was shit like pointing and a lot of like, what are you doing? And then after the game, Scott, obviously after losing 3-0, people I spoke to him around the stadium all said very similar things, which is like, we like Eric Ten Hag. We just do not like how he's coaching at the moment. We don't like it. And he's not helping his players. And that's where you hit that brick wall because it's public opinion, isn't it? It's a bit like politics. Is that once it swings, it's swinging away from you. Ten Hag has got to get this back under control. And the time you think he can. can. Like, I, don't... I mean, like, I think there's a different circumstance this time. If there was no potential... Uh, Jim Ratcliffe, mm. Paul Mitchell, Ineos on the horizon. I think we would be on... I, I tweeted yesterday. I think we're on a fast track to that point anyway. And usually if a manager gets to a point like this, 
they ain't coming back from it. Nope. And I've I've looked at it for a few months. I think United play Liverpool on the 16th of December, something like that. That's the day. Usually <laughs> is. Day. It's happened yeah. before. Mourinho yeah, lost 3-1 at Anfield in December and they sacked him. And then they and brought Nolly. And it's easy. And then you get a, you get a lovely immediate reaction of, oh, the pressure's off now. I've got some new fresh ideas. I can let myself go. I can start playing with a bit of confidence again. And eventually they lose face in that guy as well. All these players. But like, let me get back to these comments now. Juddy Sports. Scott, fans online want into Zerbi now. It literally doesn't matter who the manager is at the moment when you don't have a football structure built around them. I couldn't agree with you more. Absolutely mm, spot agree. on. I agree. Uh, Ashish says, Hi, Scott and Rob. Hope you're well. Uh, Ashish from South Africa. First and uh, foremost, please greet your Rugby World Cup champions. Uh, fantastic performance uh, from South Africa the other day. Mm. Uh, Sia Khaleesi is one of the best sportsmen in, or sports per- personalities in the world. Uh, second, why is this manager so stubborn when it comes to Bruno and Rashford? I know you, you tell know. me. Yep. We've called for that for the last few weeks. I mean, I, I've been saying it for three, four weeks that Rashford, you know, should probably be rotated and should be on the bench. Uh, there's questions about Mason Mount, obviously. There's questions mm-hmm. about Anthony, obviously, because they're spending so much money on these players and Ten Hag is not playing them. Uh, where were we? Should we should we actually do the Ten Hag bit then? Because yeah. let's see. I haven't got that tweet in front of me now, actually. I need to just... Talk a talk a second, Rob. <laughs> oh, I've got it. Somebody's tweeted me. Somebody's tagged me in it. Okay, not your tweet because you did tweet it this morning. But um, just for the benefits, I'll read it out for everyone since people are listening on audio as well. So, was this quote, Rob, after the game yesterday? I believe it was with Dutch journalists yesterday. I think so. By a play, I think it was. Yeah, uh, he was asked Ten Hag. That is. When will you be able to play the same football with Manchester United that you showed at Ajax? And it's, this is a quote that's been shared. Uh, there's three million views on this tweet, right? He said, never. We will never play that football because those were different players. This is also not why I came here. We're playing different football than I showed at Ajax because I have to, because I can't play the same way. The players decide how you play. Ajax is a very typical and characteristic style of play. With Manchester United, I will always show different football. I did so last year as well, which we have said. You played different football last year. We play much more direct football here because I have the players for that here. Now, how have you internalized this quote? Because I'm seeing that people are saying he's losing his mind. And I kind of I kind of see that. I, I firmly agree that is not the type of football I wanted United. I wanted to see United play when Ten Hag was brought in. I wanted to see what he did at Ajax. But is that Ten Hag pushing out blame? It's uh, it's a lateral question that he's given a very closed response to. So yeah, you're not going to play Dutch style Ajax football at Man United. But I think the fact that when he was asked that and he used that word straight away, never it was kind of a defensive thing, wasn't it? Like never playing that kind of football. But then to say, Scott, and I think this is where maybe the excuses come in, that your players decide how you play. I don't want to hear a manager say that. I want to hear a manager saying, yeah, I will obviously take in my players fundamentally about my system, but I decide how we play and this lot conform or go. And I think that I think he's tried to do that in some ways. Like I think last season that when he changed the style of football, that yeah, he had to react. United were playing badly. He got them on a winning run. 
20, 30 games, played well. You won a cup. You get to the end of the season, you're in the Champions League. Okay, well done. You know, let's all have a proverbial pat on the back. Well done. But in pre-season, then, it's, then that's the time to get your fundamentals back across to your squad and say, right, we're going to play like this. I don't see it, Scott. No, I'm, not, I'm not seeing it and I'm dying to see it. I'm stood there. Oh, I, I, you know, it needs to be... Side. <laughs> begging. The, <laughs> I, I came to the... Con- Sorry, Rob. Um, I, I came to the conclusion yesterday that everybody has been looking... Everybody's been asking the question, what is the style of play? What is the style hmm. of play? We've said it on this podcast tons of times. He said in the summer, I want United to be the best transition team in the world, right? Hmm. And what United did do yesterday, four times probably, was catch City high up. Hmm. They dispossessed them. They did in the first two minutes. They had two chances in the first five minutes as well, I think it was. And they they pressed quite well. And they actually did it a few times. And obviously the goal and the penalty like changed changed the course of the game. And I think yeah. the players, we know how fragile they are. They kind of lose themselves. They, they, they go into themselves. And that, that's really kind is. of it. I said, United have to score first. I was at the pub yesterday watching my mates. I said, United have to score first. Because if they don't, they'll lose like that. Mm. Um, but yeah, the style of play that I think we have now landed on that Ten Hag is trying to achieve... And yes, you can absolutely uh, criticize them for this. Is that they depend on the mistakes of others, mm-hmm. and they are ultimately looking to become the best transition team in the world. They're miles off it, by the way, but they they don't intend. And this is why people get frustrated because they want to see United dominate the ball. They ain't trying to do that. No. Ten Hag isn't trying to do that, and I've been kind of trying to understand that for a few weeks. It's been coming a bit more clear to me, but these comments now and the way that they played yesterday, that's what he's trying to do. So we're dreaming if we're thinking that we want United to dominate possession and run and play in triangles and run rings around other players. Like, that's not going to happen. He said never as well. It's not going to happen. And I don't think fundamentally when we talk about style and substance at the moment, Scott, that this is any different to what Oligan and Solskjaer was trying to do. It's almost identical, really is. is that Ole would try and play 4-3-3 once or twice. You get smashed and he goes back to 4-2-3-1. And he just plays that forever and a day and you get so far with it, don't you? You watch Eric Ten Hag, plays different systems. Last year he played 4-1-5, got so far with it. Then they just decided that they were going to stop pressing because they ran out of energy completely, played a different style of football. Now we look at it this season, Scott. Yesterday, they played this kind of 4-2-4 system, which ended up morphing into a 4-2-3-1 after, at the back end of the first half. And it's the same stuff. And for him to kind of say, use that word never, which is a very blunt way of saying it, is that, no, we are not going to become a kind of attractive passing team. That's kind of the wider context, isn't it? That's what you're being asked. Why is your team not passing the ball? He even said, Scott, in the back of that little segment, he goes... We, we play long ball because that's what we can do. You know, we've got that physicality, so we use that. Well, I'm sorry. The long ball does not work in the Premier League. Even the bad teams in the Premier League, Scott, play out from the back. Yeah, you go watch Luton. Luton will play out from the back. It's just how it goes. Modern teams, even into the championship, go watch Leicester play now, right? Leicester have had the best start of any championship team in history. They play football. They play actual football. Man United don't. One thing, again, I said during the game yesterday was that when I watch some fundamentals of Man United and I'm looking at some of the core tactics and some of the action around the tactics, my the question I always ask my brain, Scott, is, is this even Premier League standard? 
or is this championship standard? And unfortunately, Scott, sometimes I don't know. Sometimes I watch it and I'm going, when you think about the ball from the out ball, like yesterday there was one bit, Scott, and this is me waffling a little bit, but but Johnny Evans had the ball at centre-back and he looked up to Victor Lindelof and Victor Lindelof lost the ball three times at left-back and he looked up and it was the easy ball on and he went, not doing that, check back in. And he plays the ball to Delo at right-back who's marked. And I'm looking at that and I'm going... That's either Johnny Evans' problem or it's actually a problem with the selection in the team or what they're trying to do, trying to play out from the back. And they can't do it, Scott. Andre Nani yesterday, I thought, had his best game, as I described it. And on the deck, he's trying to get United going on the floor. And no one moves, Scott. It's not Premier League standard. So I just don't know. Like I still, like, I think that's players, but I also think it's managers. It's a disconnect between the ideology and what really is happening. And these players, I think, have already hit a part of the season. What we now, Scott? Ten games in, really? Like, not a lot? And these players are already on the floor tapping out. They're already going, we can't do this, boss, for whatever reason. And as you said, you considered the goal yesterday. And they all walk back to the centre circle, Scott. And they walk back with their heads down like this. And they're beaten already because of a goal. And you're like, this lot are fundamentally weak mentally and physically but I don't think they are really understand what they're being asked to do and that's every player I actually think there is more than one player it's not just Bruno Rashford I think they're all playing pretty badly I think yesterday Anana played quite well and I think Harry Maguire gave as I described it a captain's performance I thought he, there were times where he was running through Haaland and trying to compete in the air and get the ball on the deck and play out the rest of them Scott they don't, it's not being disinterested. They just look like they're in shock. It's like rabbit in headlights. I've just pulled up this quote again, right? <laughs> that we've uh, we've just discussed. Yeah. We will never play that football because those were different players. This is also not why I came here. We're playing different football than I showed at Ajax because I have to, I can't play the same way. And that's Rob's tweet on the screen. Yeah. People ask why Mason Mount isn't playing or why Mason Mount was signed in the first mm. place. Mason Mount does this <laughs> you know mason mount so this this is this has been a plan all along right um and i also think we have a problem here right ten Hag has started actually buying to fit this philosophy i'm using that in like uh finger quotation marks by the way because how much of a philosophy actually is it but that's been reinforced because he can't get rid of the players mm that he wants to get out because they can't do the football that everybody wants. If I, if that makes any sense, like he's stuck and everybody seems to get stuck because it's a hamster have, wheel. It's, it's a hamster wheel. It is. Yeah, it is. So as much as like, I did, I don't want to see United play like this. And I think we've seen enough of it now. Hmm. Does that mean Ten Hag is incapable of coaching like he did the Ajax players? and playing that way in the Premier League? I don't necessarily think it does. I just think the plan that they have decided on is this, and the plan's wrong. 
He brought a few of them with him, didn't he? Like he, he has bought Ajax like players, and as you said, the plan is over. Let's just talk about Mason Mount very quickly because you know we did question it at sixty million about what are you going to get from Mason Mount and what are you trying to achieve in the midfield, and and Ten Hag reinforced this, and Mason Mount also reinforced it, and that he was coming to Man United to be a number eight. That's what he was going to do. He wanted to be a number eight. Ten Hag really likes him, likes the press, likes what he does, and he played number eight, I think, for all of two games. Then he got injured, and they've brought him back. Now, yesterday, we saw this when Mason Mount comes on at half time. Is that Mason Mount went straight to the number 10 position, right? He went up there. You had Ericsson deeper in the, in the double pivot. And you had Bruno Fernandes on the right hand side. I would muse this is that if you've got Scott McTominay in your team, who you've decided is, doesn't fit what you want to do, and yet for the 90 minutes, you kind of stuck with him in two key positions the number 10 in the first half and the number six in the second half. And maybe bring Mason Mount on either on the left or the right. Maybe, you know, if you're not happy with Mason Mount being your eight, bring Bruno Fernandes back in as the 10. I think the problem is here, Scott, is that he is on this hamster wheel. Is that he's not quite sure every decision he makes comes with bigger risk factors. And I think maybe he's even comfortable with. He's trying to mitigate risk rather than saying, well, look, I know that Scott McTominay doesn't fit what I want to do. So I'm just going to leave him on the bench and I'm going to bring him on for 10 minutes to rescue me against Brentford. I'm cool with that. Bruno Fernandes is your best number 10 at the club. Play him as your number 10. If you see that Mason Mount is not really cutting it as the eight, use him in the wide areas where he was really good for Chelsea back in the day. Use him in there. We're talking about whether you play Marcus Rashford or not. That conversation is going to go on and on and on. Why don't you just rest Rashford at times and try these other players that can play these systems? But I don't think Scott McTominay running your midfield from six and ten in a whole game over 90 minutes is particularly educated. I don't. I really don't. So that is on the coach. Do you remember when the whole world melted down that United didn't sign Bruno Fernandes in the summer? Yeah. Do you remember yeah. that? Do you remember the reason why? gives the ball away too much yeah he does yeah that was but united yeah. said no we're not going to sign him because he gives the ball away too much he's too direct he's yeah. too 50 50 mm. in the january they bought him and everything turned around now ten Hag has that guy who gives the ball away a lot has always in his career since he got to the top played 50 50s that guy's now his captain, I, I disagree with that at the time, by the way, and I think Eric, uh, Roy Keane has said that he shouldn't be captain. I disagreed with that That actually mm. going to him at the time, and I, I haven't changed my mind. It's a big jump. It, it is. But when Ten Hag is talking about, like, my hand is essentially forced, I have to play that way, mm. he has no other choice. He can't sell Bruno Fernandes. Like, <laughs> he might suggest that. No way the club is supporting that. And that's not changing until somebody else who comes in with a philosophy that supports the football that Ten Hag played at Ajax, mm. that is good enough or capable enough or brave and bold enough to take financial hits on the players that they've already bought down the years. And that process has continued with, even with Ten Hag, the Casemiro one, we, we, we doubted that straight at the time, didn't we, mm. already? And there's other players in there as well. Anthony's getting a lot of stick, but they could have bought him for half the price three months before they bought him. They could have. Mm. Is that Ten Hag's fault? I'm sure people will because he wanted him, but you know. Uh, I'm just, I'm thinking here, man, like it's really, 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 uh, United are stuck. They're absolutely stuck. And I think Ten Hag is stuck as well. 
And I don't think, I think, well, I think every manager who comes in takes the job and then they kind of think, right, I've, I've got ambition to change. He played his first two games where, you know, well, they got absolutely mashed, didn't they? They, they went to Brentford, tried to play out the back and then they lost 4-0. Yeah. And they got caught up like early on. He literally had to change his football from there. He's just admitted that in his interview yesterday as well. Like his hand is forced. And this is, I'm, I saw somebody saying earlier on, uh, where was it? John McCarthy. I agree, Scott. That's why we need to cut our losses now and go for Deserby. John, honestly, without a change of structure, do you think Roberto Deserby can play the style of football that you want to see with the players that Eric, Eric Ten Hag and his Ajax team were running rings around Real Madrid in the Champions League a few years ago? With a group of like young young players from their academy, because they they've been taught how to do that for years and years and years. Do you honestly think that somebody like that can come in and just fix it all straight away without actually addressing the root cause of the problem, which is everything above the manager? Like, yeah. fair enough. If Jim Ratcliffe and Ineos come in and they go, "All right, Eric, we want a new start here. We're going to go get Deserby." Fine, I'm on board with that. Whatever. I think we're at that point now, but. Until something changes, don't bother changing the manager for me. Yeah, and the one thing Eric Ten Hag absolutely cannot do is sack Richard Arnold and John Murto. <laughs> he has no control over that. That's the hierarchy, and he can have conversations with them to his blue in the face. Like, I think he admitted recently, he was like he speaks to them every day, and I was like, kind of feels too much. Like you don't have to speak to these people every day. You have to run your your ship at Carrington, and you kind of have light contact with him during board meetings and stuff like that where you have to go and sit and do your job as a manager um so you don't need that kind of contact there you don't need someone guiding you as the coach you have to go and coach and and i think this is kind of where we we, we are in this rock and a hard place is like you just said that ten Hag is stuck but team selection is on him he has bought players he has spent money he has gone in one direction last season has reneged on some of that this season and unfortunately, in football, and I just said it, like 80% of other football clubs that are not Man City, not Arsenal, not Liverpool, when things go bad, they will probably sack their manager. And we are part of that 80%. We're not one of the elite uh, teams. Rob, in that United way. can be can be Arsenal and Liverpool. They of course can. they can. Yeah. What's but the difference? The difference is upstairs. So, so at Arsenal, they have now a robust structure with Edu. And before Edu and before all of that, with the Cronkies and all of that, they were a joke. Yeah. Liverpool, before FSG... Complete joke, go and win stuff with FSG. Even now with FSG, people are like, we don't like them, FSG out and all of that. Yeah, You, look you, know, at that, you know that Eric Ten Hag era has come to an end quote? Liverpool's era ended last year. Supposedly, yeah, I know. Oh, no, it did. <laughs> Liverpool's era, that Liverpool ended last year. Yeah, Liverpool addressed it in one summer. Yeah. Because they know what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> And Fergie's era came to the end three, four, five times during his football club. Like two, three years into a project, people go, are you selling plays? He doesn't like these plays anymore. They're not running anymore, not doing what he wants. Guess what he did? He got rid of them and got other players. And that's really, you've said it on this show, how Jurgen Klopp last year went, my three central midfielders are not working for me. They're now no, no longer at the football they club. They're gone. You know, and so that's what you do. So I think the things about Ten Hag is that you have to find ways, Scott, between surviving between transfer windows so you can kind of do your business. What an existence. Exactly. <laughs> well, look, in, in this transfer window, we all know that we kind of liked Man United's business early on. 
as it went through the, the window, we didn't like it. And as we got to the end, we really thought it stank, you know. So I think that that has had a mad, uh, a, a real mad impact on United's results going through into this part of the season. However, you still have to make some of this work so you can survive till January. And then you've got to go from January to the summer showing that you can make it work so you get the next pot of money, when it is, however how much that is, yeah. And that's why managers get sacked because the boards look at it and they go, are we really going to reinvest? So look, let's lose Jose is a really good example. Uh, yeah. I need I need to address these these comments from Co- <laughs> Scott's here. getting upset. F- FSG fumbled every transfer there ever was. You realise you sold Coutinho for hundred and fifty million quid or something <laughs> like that, and then bought Allison and Van Dyke. Yeah. United have been looking at a point in Michael Edwards, who is famous for turning Liverpool around. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I- I'm sorry, but it's just uh, it's yeah. The, some uh, of the revisionism, like, honestly, it's crazy. Anyway, sorry, Rob, I interrupted. That's all right. I know a lot of people at Liverpool really do. And they, they really, like, like they're, they're kind of not perform miracles, but they went in and they just put infrastructure in and empowered their new manager, Jurgen Klopp, who was their choice. You know, they were like, this bloke's great. Let's go go with him. But let's change stuff. And you change it in a, in a, a way that's not just pragmatic, but... You, you get that evolution going really quickly, as quick as you can. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that even means, because I think when you look at Liverpool, yeah, you might miss out on transfers. Someone's put here, Liverpool missed out on Casado and Lavia. Urso, yeah, what? Like, you do miss out on players. United have missed out on a ton of players over the years. We've been critical of that. Chelsea missed out on players. Man City have missed out on players at times. To Manchester United. But it doesn't bother them. Exactly. Someone was reminding everyone yesterday, Harry Maguire could have gone to City or United and chose United. You know, Alexis Sanchez could have gone to City or United. He chose Man United. I don't think either of them probably would do that today if they were given that choice. But I think the thing is, it's like we can use these core examples. What we're really talking about is just having the acumen at that level, just people going and having the proper ideas. Because we know that Man United's board doesn't really have a Scooby-Doo when it comes to football. They just don't. They just want to sell these, these shirts, the badge. They're brand managers, they're consultants, they are um, they're accountants, and that's that. So a lot of it is on Eric Ten Hag. Uh, we can talk about his signings and stuff, Scott, and I think that's more subjective, subjective because I think you kind of do that year to year. And at the moment, like someone like Anthony, yeah, he's not making the progress that you want. But he might be a player that in the next three, four, five weeks, Scott, that we see a real upturn, you bring him back in the team. He might bring you something, he might drive you up the football pitch. So I'm willing to wait on that. But I, I, for me, it's the tactics game to game with what he's using. And I do think that there are there's big questions to be asked and they're no bigger than any of the previous managers. Like I think Jose did it. Jose was great year one. He even said to us at press conferences, he was like, I want to play the Man United way. Well, after two years, he was like, nah, I'm doing the Jose way now, going backwards and doing what I want to do. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was the flip. Ole was like, just didn't have the depth of tactics, but just wanted to attack, attack, attack. And we didn't get anywhere there either, did we? Got to a European final, got second in the league, but that's that. I think Ten Hag is now somewhere in the middle of that boat, kind of going, well, I've got my fundamentals. I just can't do them at this football club. Well, if you can't do them at this football club, Scott, guess how it ends? It doesn't end well. That's not going to just flip, is it? It's going to end up with him being shown the door because someone else will go, I can change it. There'll be a manager out there, Deserby or someone will go, nope, I've got the plan. And that's what the boards look at. They look at someone who's objectively pushing it from the core. 
Ten Hag's kind of whispering, isn't he, in plain sight? I don't know if I can do what I want to do here. There's no way that boards are going to stick with that. They won't like that. So how does Ten Hag turn it around then? I think I know he... we, we're up. we've talked about on this podcast, I, like, hmm. and I agree, like, he does need to show that there is, uh, what's the opposite reward? <laughs> Punishment for poor performance. Yeah. Uh, Karen stick. I think he, yes, I agree. I think he should be a bit more ruthless. Um, yeah. But like, you, you look at um, the style of play, this kind of thing. Can you honestly expect the, I know Varane was on the bench, but even he's not the best ball playing center, ha- center half in the world. How can you expect that to happen with Leicester's Claude Puel 2019 centre-back pairing. How can you expect that in 2023 against the European champions and treble winners? Like Kobe's coming back. He was on the bench yesterday and this, this kind of thing as well. But what in the media, in the immediate short term, what can he do? Or does he have to change his ideas uh, in order to turn things around? Or do you think he's already lost the players? Because that happens a lot. Also like the stream, by the way, if you haven't already and you're watching. I think he's on a trajectory to losing his job. So that's the way I think we are going. You said it like 10, 15, 20 minutes ago. You went, this is kind of, well, this is how it's going. And I tweeted out the same thing yesterday. It was like, you know, I want him to get it right, but I kind of, the trajectory feels like it's towards the exit. Somewhere down the line, might be two months, might be the end of the season, I don't know. Things are fundamentally not working. What would I like him to do, Scott? I've said this quite a lot, but I'm going to reiterate it. If he has a style of play and wants Man United to play a certain way, whether that be 4 3 3 Four two three one. Whatever he wants to do, four one five press. Do it every week, right? Stick to your guns. And if you lose football matches, we have a much more kind of idea about where we are going as a football club. So it doesn't mean that if he loses a ton of matches, you won't get sacked. But I think from a fan perspective, if you see that someone is trying to push you towards a direction, you can swallow a fair bit. You can look at it and kind of go, "Well, it's bad today, but we're trying to do the right things." I talk about Hannibal. I talk about Manu. I'd have both those two lads in our midfield now. Without a shadow of doubt, I'm bored of talking about Marcus Rashford. I'm bored about talking about Bruno Fernandes. Put these players on the bench. Tell them that they're still your guys. Pat them on the back, but say you're getting 20 minutes today and not 90 minutes. Because when you pay 90 minutes, we're rubbish. So let's find a way. That has to be on the manager. You said on one of our previous shows that when you drop one of those big players, specifically Bruno Fernandes, that the blowout is bigger Well, what we're seeing now is people like Roy Keane, former Man United captains, going on telly saying they should strip him of the captaincy. Don't strip him of the captaincy. Just do what you did to Maguire last year and tell him he's sitting on the bench because he's not cutting it. And that's okay. It's a football decision. So for me, that's where he has to go. Play your talent. Make it so everyone knows what you're trying to do. Tell them in press conferences saying, I'm going to stick to this. Don't be wishy-washy. Don't say, I can't do this. Oh, I've got to just do what my players want. I've got, no, say, I'm the coach and I'm fundamentally going to do this. Poster Coglu's gone into Tottenham and he said that. He went, I got a style of play. I nearly did an Aussie accent there. I won't do it because like this is being professional. But he's there going, oh, look, I know what I want to do and I'm going to do it. And this lot have to do what I tell them. That's my job. That's, just, that's it. Fundamentals. Eric Ten Hag has gone from being a no-nonsense coach last year, Scott, I think a bit wishy-washy this year. This year, he's kind of yeah, like he's coming up with excuses. He, he's definitely fallen victim, I think, to... I, I said this before. I think that 
United have a well, United have a habit of ruining people. And like this is like yeah. a, a grim you and me. <laughs> this this is I don't I don't like using this comparison, but Manchester United is a cancer. Mm. And unless you remove the root, unless you remove it, everybody or every part of that institution will will fall victim to it. Yeah. Like and that's what happens. And I think Ten Hag is even he's even fallen into that trap now. It's taken him what probably since the League Cup final, really, wasn't it? I think that that was where it started to turn around. Uh but hmm. yeah, I mean, he's certainly on a I think I tweeted yesterday he's on a fast track to uh potentially getting sacked. I mean, there's other issues here with which like FFP and the the change of the footballing uh direction, this kind of thing potentially. Uh, which might end up changing the course of uh, which way this is going. But we've seen this story tons of times before. Uh, like the stream, if you haven't already, uh, subscribe to the podcast, this kind of thing. Uh, but Rob, we've got, still got some time left. Um, I'd like to ask the audience go? a question. Like we can, we can look through the comments, but I'd like to ask the audience a question because, you know, as you just said there about behind the scenes, like we know that that change is kind of coming. Like we, we're going to have a new football direction. What I want to ask fans and constantly ask them, and I'll ask our audience here, is what do you want? What do you really want from someone who comes in at board level, you know, puts in new investment, yeah, gives money towards the stadium and is going to infrastructure, build all that stuff. Carrington will get a refit and all of this. What do you really want to see change? Because I do see a lot of people who are in the camp of the Glazers have caused all this. And I think you and me both agree with that. It's been the Glazers management. I also see a fair amount in a minority saying, well, none of this has got anything to do with ownership. You know, like when you're talking about tactics, Rob, this is about one bloke and his coaching stuff. It's it's basically Steve McLaren. Like Steve McLaren's there going, right, this is what I think we should do, Eric. This is let's work together and do this on a training pitch. I watch uh, Steve McLaren in the warm-up, every game and what he does with the lads. And it's funny enough because he plays as an opponent and he goes really close to a striker. So he's telling them, well, what I want you to do is roll me, roll me on there and we're going to feed the ball off there. And they practice that over and over and over again. So that's clearly a tactic, isn't it? Something they do. I watch Game Scott. They never do it. They never, ever do that. They never feed the ball through to Hoyland to roll, roll a defender. I kind of go, well, there's something missing here. So... I think I, I, I want to ask our audience, I want to say to them, you know, what are you looking for? I know everyone would take winning, Scott. If we just won, then people can, you know, stand quite a lot of stuff, can't they? But I want people to tell me. I want to hear what they want to say. Because for me, I want to see a philosophy. I know that's what I want. I want to see a manager come in. And I can take losing then. I can take bad performances. What I can't take, Scott, is no identity and no idea and players being that disconnected from the coaching staff. Counter argument. <clears throat> How can you expect the same players? Because it is largely the group of same players. Yeah. Lepers don't change their spots. Another famous Roy Keane quote about mm. these players. Yeah. Put managers under the bus over and over again. Like, ten, I'm sure that Ten Hag comes out in every single press conference and asks them to run, to run, to run, to run, to run, to put their effort in. Mm. we ain't seeing that you know and i like it's it's a double-edged sword because yeah maybe the players don't trust what ten hog is trying to trying to get them to do if they if he's saying oh, i want to play transition i don't want to play like ajax used to this kind of thing maybe they want to play football a different way but at the same time they have a lot of previous 
And they have a lot of previous of doing this when they've had enough. They, they do. Mm. And I don't think that will ever change until, I don't know, until the this whole thing is sorted. Like, I really think that Ten Hag can maybe uh, change his plan, this kind of thing. But we're still going to see United losing. Uh, Hacker suggesting Zidane. That's a disaster waiting to happen. I'm sorry. Oh, no, thanks. That's an absolute disaster. Don't want to be a Glasgow team. Uh, <laughs> no, thanks. United need a bigger personality than Ten Hag in Zidane IMO. I think I think Ten Hag has got a big personality. I think this is why we're questioning him because you, you talk to people behind the scenes and Ten Hag is pretty forthright. He knows what he wants. But we're starting to see that, I think, corrode. Is that... His personality does seem to be falling away a little bit. Even after a game like this today, Scott, against Guardiola, is that he's kind of talking in terms of like, oh, well, I was happy with this, that or the other. You can't really be happy with that performance. Like you can't. He said after the game as well, Scott, in his presser, he goes, I'm really happy with the camp. I'm really happy with the camp. You can't be. You cannot be looking at these performances and be happy with the camp. You must be really, really gutted about how the camp is responding to what you want them to do. And I think he can say that without digging out individuals. He doesn't have to be Jose. He can say, this is not the standard and I'm working on it and I want to do this and I want to do that. He can still do that. But I think he's lost confidence, maybe. Like, I think maybe he's thinking, can I do this job? Like, do you think that's got... Yeah, maybe. Yeah, potentially. I mean, I've got a comment on the screen, Wandering Propeller. I'm with Rob here. Some of our players know they can stop trying because it's always the manager who goes, not them. Yeah, that's that's my point. That's but that's the same well. at every club. Outside, with, unless you're like City, the players know they can't do that. Guardiola comes first, everyone comes second, yeah? At Liverpool, Klopp comes first, everyone else comes second. Now at Arsenal, that culture has been built. Arteta first, everyone else second. When you go down to the other 17 teams in the league, Scott... It's what's happening at United. It's manager gets sacked, players clock off, or players tell them upstairs, we don't like the style of football. And even that counts for whether it be Luton Town at the bottom or Man United somewhere near the top or in the top four. Even at Newcastle, Scott, say it goes wrong for Eddie Howe, Eddie Howe is gone, finished. It'll be another manager in. That's how it works. That's football. But I think the problem is that Man United, we want to hold... The, the whole institution to higher standards, well, we ain't there. And, and Eric Ten Hag is just part of that 10-year cycle in the same way that Jose was, in the same way that Van Gaal was, you know, Ole was, Moyes was, even Ralph Ranić. Ralph Ranić came in and told them how to fix it. And they went, we don't like this guy. He's telling us stuff we don't like. Mm-hmm. Get him out quick. He upset the apple cart. He upset so the apple cart. And he was right. So he was right from day one at Man United. So this is part of the issue. We can talk about the Glazers till we're blue in the face, but you can't make them sell them, Scott. I can't make the Glazers sell their shares as it stands. So we have to go and talk about just the football side of it. And it's the same for Eric Ten Hag, is that he still has a pretty good squad. When you put that squad up against, you know, outside of that top three I just said, there's still a better squad than, say, Tottenham Hotspur, but Tottenham are flying because they are on a trajectory. Man United are kind of going, 10th this year might be where we're going. And that's I think exactly honestly, and I've said this before, I said this when I think Ollie was there, maybe Ranick. They need to come twelfth. They need a shock. This this club needs an absolute kick up the backside yeah. and have a season that is gonna make them never never like no sixth, seventh place, no Europa no. League, nothing like that. 
they need like failure to wake them up because they've been coasting for too long. I'm just going to jump into some comments here. Yeah. Uh, we've got Wandering Propeller again. What I want is for us not to sack another manager. I don't think I can take another reset. I'm I'm so in. I'm so in. Manesh says, I want everyone working towards the same style from the CEO, director of football to recruitment and scouting. Filter down to a manager and players. I want effective efficiency. Yep. Uh, sounds like you're saying the players are not listening, says Ed. Uh, Ritwick saying, uh, don't care about trophies, just give me good football. That is the Tottenham mentality. I will challenge you for how long you'll be able to tolerate that. Um, I agree with that. I, Sorry. No, I agree with that as well, but I, obviously... I want good football and trophies will come somewhere down the line. Uh, wandering Propeller in... You lads saw uh, Ten Hag's comments in Dutch post-match. He sounded more critical of the players. Yeah, I don't know whether we've covered those already. I'll, I'll keep looking. It was kind of uh, one for use today. There was a guy like, <laughs> saying that he can't play because of the players. Was But he didn't name names. Yeah. We got another comment from uh, Kenbury. United need a three-year plan. We're yes, 18 months do. into the three-year the, plan. The, the, the thing is, United <laughs> have a three-year plan every, every 18 months. Yeah. Like, it's just the wrong plan. When it's they always... rip it up and throw it in the bin. <laughs> United have an amalgam. Their squad is an amalgamation of ma- managers who've signed. I think there's like four di- players signed by four different managers in this team at the moment, and the, it's the same thing that is leveled at everyone. Is that manager spent loads of money because they spend loads of money on individual signings, but it's never enough to force massive change. No. They, they, there's not enough players to force massive change. Um, we got another comment here. Uh, Prajwal says, uh, I just wanted a basic, simple passes, ground ball. I don't know how many times I screamed to them to pass ground balls. I mean, yeah. It's just totally what I want. We all would like that. But what what Ten Hag has said is don't expect that to happen because United are a transition team who prey on mistakes of the other teams. And, uh, well, do you know what, Scott? I'm going to say this. If he says that, which is what he has publicly said, then he's going to get sacked. Simple. He, he said it. He said you though. can't say it and say that's what you're going to do. No, but he said he said he said that from the very beginning. So surely the people who employed him are, are they happy with that? Oh yeah, they probably can't. because they can use the players that they've already had in their squad that used to play in that way. But Maybe. they can't be happy if you say to a guy, you've got one, two, three years to go fix this. And then in certain you go through certain periods where form is bad, where you give up on passing the football correctly. Like you have to keep trying. And that's the that, that this is, I think, where we've got to why we're having this show today is that it's not just about players fundamentally downing tools. Like I didn't watch them yesterday and feel like they're not trying. They just haven't got a clue. They don't know what they're supposed to be doing. That has to be some of that on the coaching staff. It has to be. Last year, we said with Marcus Rashford that they brought in Benny McCarthy and suddenly Man United had a plan in the final third for Marcus to put the ball in the net. And guess what? It worked. This year, you got a brand new striker and no one knows how to use the number nine. So that's not right. That, that, that's not just individuals. That is looking at the fundamentals of coaching. And, and, and I'm worried about that because passing the ball from A to B is just a given. Like the, the comment there about ground balls, you have to still do some of it. You cannot give it up. You have to believe in what you believe in 
and you live and die by it. And if you get sacked for that, because you tried doing what you wanted to do, you know, you go to Pep Guardiola. If he got sacked for trying to do what he wanted to do, he's not going to be bothered. He goes, well, I get sacked from, I know what I want to do as a coach. You know, Bielsa at Leeds, when it all went wrong, Bielsa went, I don't care, I'm Bielsa. I do what I do and I'm going to keep doing it everywhere I go. And I think for Eric Ten Hag is that he's given some of that away. He went Last year, he went, we want to be a, a great football club. We want to win stuff. This year, he's kind of already backing away from that and saying, oh, the players are making me do certain things. Sorry, Eric, like they won't get sacked. You're the one that will carry the can. And it's unfortunately getting, it's creeping closer, isn't it, towards that exit. I don't want that for him. I want him to manage these players and get it right. I don't feel good about it. Did you see Anthony's face yesterday on a bench, Scott? Did you see that when they went zoomed in on him? Yeah, when they brought, when he did substitution, Anthony went there and was like, well, that's, he, Anthony's Tenog's boy. He wouldn't bring him on. So there's you can see there is some of that happening in the squad, isn't it? Is that his players are kind of going, hang on, I'm not quite sure what's happening here. And it, and you read it on their faces, Marcus Rashford's face. You can totally read he's not happy. You can absolutely read it. Bruno Fernandes just constantly unhappy. But that's what happens when you lose games. But I think more than that, Scott, it's just when you lose hope. And I think these players at the moment... Yeah, I think I we, are getting, we are getting to that point. And, and that's the problem, is that when hope erodes then the only thing that happens is change manager. And that's the same for 17 clubs in the Premier League. The other three, you might get away with it. Klopp got away with it last year because he said, my midfield rubbish, I need to buy a new one. And he did. And they look quite good now, don't they? I was watching them the other day and I'm like, yeah, this Liverpool team looks the real deal again. They're back <laughs> very quickly. And everyone said he should get sacked last year. But th I think this is the thing for Ten Hag now is that I think he's going to have to perform some kind of minor miracle between now and, say, the January transfer window. I cannot see where these performances are going to come from, Scott, unless he really gets radical. And for me, that radical has to be get Hannibal in the team, get Manu in the team, build a midfield around energy. Someone These players will run for you and then see if their quality can eke out onto the football pitch and you can actually get some more balance. The Man United are totally imbalanced at the moment. We'll wrap it soon. Uh, one more thing, Rob. Hmm. Let's say the ownership doesn't change. Could happen. What happens next? Let's say the ownership doesn't change and Ten Hag gets sacked. What happens next? Well, then they just go get Deserby and it all happens again. And then it's just another two or three years of the same stuff. Because there's no way Deserby can play the Brighton football he plays at Man United. It just won't happen because that football is not actually Deserby's football. It's actually Graham Potter's football. And it's been a hybrid and he's taken it on to another level. But he's done that with such an amazing set of foundations for the building. You know, the building is solid. At Man United, there isn't a building, Scott. There's no brickwork. It, it just is like there's a gust of wind and the, the house of cards falls down very quickly. So you get Deserby. It doesn't work. Like I know one of the comments there was, you know, go get Deserby. That's not how it works. Someone said Zidane. What? Zidane needs... Zidane, a, a... I know he won the Champions League like a few times, right? Notoriously famous for just vibes football. Like... yeah. No tactics. Like I'm just going to have all my like amazing players just play the way they ever, whatever they want. I'm just going to enable it. That is literally what you're asking for. And that is literally what we have seen these United players have for years. What it, that, that goes down the road to sacking within six months. Deserby <laughs> probably does as well, because there's going to be some players there who have big egos and think I've, I'm, I've achieved more than you in football. And Oh, if you upset me, whatever, I'm not going to bother. Get ready. 
that Rob, I tweeted this yesterday and we talked about it before we started the show. Right? And my entire point here, I know we I know we have to have a conversation on the manager, I know, but I am sick of having conversations about managers, right? Remember, Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer and his coaching staff were getting criticized for not having a style of play, for not having any idea what they were doing. Michael Carrick and Kieran McKenna were in that coaching staff. They were they were labeled useless, right? Kieran McKenna has turned Ipswich into an absolute, I'm not saying a juggernaut, because they, you know, they're second place in the championship. I think they've won 11 games out of 13, right? They're playing some brilliant stuff. That's Kieran McKenna, who's one of Solskjaer's coaches. Michael Carrick turned Middlesbrough around last year from absolute relegation fodder to nearly getting promoted. And they've had a difficult start this year, but he's recently turned it around. I know they lost at the weekend. Both of those managers have an idea of what they want to do, right? And they were called absolutely useless at United for two, three years because Ollie wanted to play a different way because he only had the players that were capable of playing counter-attack football at the very top level because of a transfer strategy that has been mixed over the last few years. So my point here is that everybody in this institution is playing is beneath themselves. They are, they are all playing and all util, all operating beneath their full potential. That is the concern. And when they leave, when they get away from that awfulness, and I, I include Ten Hag in this as well. I don't think he's as bad as people are making out. No, he's not. And maybe he'll go somewhere else and actually play the football that he did at Ajax, and just you know, that'll be it. But um, sorry, Rob, I'm no. I'm frustrated today. And I'm going to be frustrated for most of the day. My point is here that United are broken as an institution. And if you escape it, you can, you've you got a better chance of reaching your potential. So actually address the actual problem rather than looking at the manager, who is not blameless. He's not blameless. You can have both. It's not black and white. It's not one way or the other. But address the root cause of the problem before you address. It's that guy again. It's this guy again. Let's spend another 10, 15 million on sacking him and get someone else. Sorry. Scott, I'm glad you took the show towards the end like that because we've spoken about it off camera, but I will speak about it a little bit more on camera about two guys you just mentioned there in Kieran McKenna and Michael Carrick. Do not be surprised if the Manchester United stroke Glazer stroke even Radcliffe answer to some of this is that if you decide that Eric Ten Hag isn't your man now, you've been with him for 18 months, and you go, don't want to give this guy another 150 million, 250 million, whatever it takes. You know, we're not we're not overly impressed from the core of the football club. Do not be surprised if you see that the next Manchester United coach is either Kieran McKenna or, Manch- or, or Michael Carrick. Do not be surprised because it's being talked about. So that's where we are, is that those two guys' stock has risen. And there was always a lot, especially with Kieran McKenna, that if you go away and prove it, you know, we love you as a coach. Like we really do as a, as a football club. We'd love you back here one day if you kind of, you know, prove yourself. He's doing some great things at Ipswich. Now, it is only Ipswich. Ipswich are a bit of a sleeping giant. When you think about the context of football clubs in this country, you know, certainly the biggest club from that part of the world, you know, their Norwich fans might not agree with me, but, but Ipswich town are a team that, that have got history. And I think he's showing at Ipswich what he can do both tactically and technically. And with his own recruitment at the club, if, if Ten Hag is sacked at any point in the future, and Man United don't fancy as a Dan, 
they don't fancy maybe paying the earth for a deserby. Maybe they don't even fancy going with a Graham Potter who's knocking on people's doors at the moment and asking for jobs and looking for, for the potential to go to a big football club. Don't be surprised if United go backwards and go and get one of those guys that were on the Oligan and people because they were highly thought of from the Man United establishment and they still are. It'll be interesting to know what our audience in the weeks ahead think about that kind of stuff. Because unfortunately, Scott, if we keep having this conversation about United playing badly, we are very, very soon going to be talking about whether Man United can win football matches under a new coach. That is going to be the kind of next port of call. Um, Scott's just vanished suddenly there from our from our screens, um, just as I'm coming towards the end of what I was talking about. Um, but just kind of put, put a cherry on top of that. Uh, I've watched actually quite a lot of, of Carrick's football in the last few months, and they've not they've not performed massively well at Middlesbrough. They've done okay. But uh, I think with McKenna, is that he's already looking towards the Premier League. I can kind of see him being a Brighton manager one day, like someone like that going into an established uh, team that's got uh, a set of principles that they're looking for already from a coach to carry that on. Jim Ratcliffe might look at a manager like that and say to themselves, right, that's the kind of coach I want, who's young, who's hungry, that will work with a new establishment at a board level. And you can then have a fundamentally new style of football that Man United just currently don't have. I'd rather, you know, fingers crossed, Ten Hag sticks with it and it works. We're going to get to a point, you know, yeah, someone's, someone's put here, Scott's had enough. I don't even know where he's gone. I could probably should check my phone or something like that. Maybe he's just been cut off right at the end of the show. <laughs> Bravo, uh, Scott, people are putting in there there. Um, Eric Ten Hag has created more problems than he's actually uh, solved. Scott is now messaging, going with uh, crying emojis. My internet has died. So, guys, I think that is actually the end of the show. We've got to the end anyway. Thank you very much for joining us today for this live show. Again, as Scott always says, please like and subscribe. You can obviously find us at our Twitter handles, or obviously we call it now X. Also find me on my YouTube channel at underscore Rob underscore B. And fingers crossed this manager can get it right. But I think in the next one to two to three to four weeks, we might be having more conversations about how Man United could change in the immediate future under a new establishment under Jim Radcliffe and what Ineos want to do at Manchester United Football Club. So again, thanks for joining us and we'll speak to you soon. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.